This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Libby Collins. And a very good Sunday morning to you. Great to have Wyatt in the newsroom. And Wyatt, I know you're going to be back with us a little after 9 o'clock. And we'll go into more detail about that violent night in Milwaukee. And I think we're still reeling with what we're seeing on these press releases. But before we do anything else... um, I think on Friday, the penguins at the Milwaukee County Zoo uh, knew something that we didn't know because they didn't see their shadow. And it appears they must have some sort of inkling that we're going to get into the 50s by later this week. So joining us is TMJ4 meteorologist Brendan Johnson. What do you think about the penguins, Brendan? You know, Libby, I'm here for the penguins. You know, uh, I, I like to say that, you know, no penguin or groundhog can predict the weather. But, you know, if you watch the video of those penguins, I mean, they are talking to the crowd on command. And they were so excited about their prediction, just as everybody else was. So I'm here for it. I'm Team Penguin. Uh, we'll see what uh, the, the zoo does next year. But but it appears they've got they they must have known something because can you believe here we are February and we're going to have the fifties by the end of the week? Yeah, you know it is so bizarre and um, yeah they may have been onto something although um, I don't think you need a groundhog or a penguin to tell you what the weather's been like recently and you know the weather service just did this write up about the B- Groundhog Day blizzard back in 2011 so 13 years ago I mean we were buried under almost two feet of snow and we're seen in Kenosha County so uh, yeah this is this, this is weird. <laughs> All right, so tell us about it. Now, I think there's going to be as even I was talking to Isaac this morning. He says, did you see all the birds flying around today? And which is kind of one of those indications spring is coming when you see that kind of activity. And do you think that are we going to be fooled? I mean, we're going to get that warm towards Thursday and Friday. Mm -hmm. Are we going to be lulled into this false sense of security? Is winter really (laughs) over? You know, I I think that's the case is, yes, we're going to get lulled into this false sense like, oh, it's warm, it's mild, this is going to carry us into March. Oh, no, there is still plenty of time in winter. Let me tell you, we get snows in March, we've gotten snows in April, and we've also had some cold blasts. Uh, I will tell you, Libby, the long-range computer models suggesting that we could see another return of some cold air towards the end of February. We'll see if that goes into March. I can't speak to exactly how cold it's going to get. I'm going to venture a, uh, you know, a good guess here that it probably won't be as bitter cold as we had, you know, that third week of January, but still going to be markedly cooler than what we've got out there now. So uh, just know it's not over yet. You still got the chance uh, to get some winter in here, uh, but at least through the middle of the month, it definitely looks like we will be above average. So yeah, those fifties likely Thursday and Friday. Okay, and we know there's a lot of fog out towards Ozaki County and some of the other outlying mm-hmm. areas this morning too. Yes, dense fog advisory areas north of Milwaukee, so that is Ozaki, Washington, Dodge, Fond du Lac, Sheboygan counties through 10. This is also an area that has temperatures below freezing, so not only are the visibility readings a bit lowered, like in Beaver Dam, West Bend, you'll also have temperatures in the 20s. So, bridges and overpasses, I'd be cautious for any slick and slippery spots, especially on untreated roadways. So just a couple extra minutes as you head out early this morning. Otherwise, Milwaukee down to Racine, Kenosha, not seeing much in the way of fog. It's just that stubborn low cloud cover that we can't get rid of. Although I've seen on some of the cameras, the sun is actually shining in parts of Racine and Kenosha County. So uh, it's going to be one of those days where we're battling the cloud deck. We hope to see some sunshine. Those at the lakefront temper the expectations a bit. It might be holding on. We'll look for highs today near 40 degrees.
Oh, Brendan, it's always great to have you here. And we look forward to Thursday and Friday. I think those are going to be nice days. Absolutely. Good to talk to you, Libby. All right. Have a great one. All right. We've got a busy show ahead of us this morning. Our consumer expert, Michelle Reinen, is going to be here. She advises you file those taxes early, and we're going to tell you why. We're also going to be joined by a retired naval captain who's talking about the challenges that veterans are facing in the workplace. And you might be surprised what that challenge is. Um, also, you know, you don't usually hear about art shows this time of the year, so we'll tell you about one taking ne- place next weekend in Port Washington. Also, um, as you heard Wyatt say last night, it was a particularly violent night in the city of Milwaukee. After the 9 o'clock news, Wyatt Barmarpuli is going to be here with us, and he will go into detail as to what happened. Uh, related to that, we're going to be talking about how the lack of black male therapists affects our community. Mark Cass has news about a business coming to the 3rd Street Market Hall. It'll make you laugh. And uh, also, will Taylor Swift's night, will it be Taylor Swift's night at the Grammys? Matt Miller has thoughts on that. We'll look back at the Week in Review. Isaac's here pushing those buttons. And in just two minutes, it's Brandon Snide and Sports. And as Brendan Johnson just told you, we're going to get up to about 40 degrees today. Currently 35 at 812 on WTMJ. After dropping their last two games, the Milwaukee Bucks finally got back into the win column Saturday night. Giannis scored 48 points, and the Bucks overcoming a 25-point deficit for their first victory under coach Doc Rivers, beating the Dallas Mavericks on the road in Dallas by a final of 129-117. to On the other side, it's Payne. A jab step. Hands to Giannis at the right elbow. Thinking about that shot. Steady drives into Kleba and plunges it down. Serving up the facial. The big fella is playing with an extra dose of fury now. He's got 36 in the game. Damian Lillard also scored 30 points in the second biggest comeback victory this season for Milwaukee, which trailed Portland by 26 in a November win. Giannis also adding 10 assists. With those two at the helm, Coach Rivers knows good things can happen for his Milwaukee Bucks. This is a veteran team, but we do have some young guys on it. And the more uh, patience the veterans show, the better that our young guys can play. And I think that's important. Next up for the box is a trip to Utah tomorrow night to take on the Jazz. Over some college hoop action where the Marquette Golden Eagles just keep on finding ways to win. This time it was Cam Jones scoring a career-high 31 points. Tyler Kolick also having himself a good day. 17 points and 8 assists. And the number 9 team in the country, the Marquette Golden Eagles, winning its sixth straight game, 91-57 over Georgetown on Saturday afternoon. The 17-5 Marquette Golden Eagles now with a week off before they get set to host St. John's on Saturday. And lastly, we'll stick with college hoops as the number 6-ranked Wisconsin Badgers will look to avenge their Thursday loss against Nebraska. They get set to host number 2-ranked Purdue in a Big Ten clash at the Kohl Center. Tip-off is set for noon. I'm Brandon Snide, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Brandon. And uh, we've got a dense fog advisory until 10 o'clock this morning for Ozaki, Washington, Dodge, Sheboygan, and Funnelette counties. The rest of us uh, looks like we're going to get up to about 40 degrees, maybe a few glimpses of the sun. Current, Willie, we have 35 at WTMJ. It's 816, and coming up next, it's Mark Cass. What's coming to the 3rd Street Market Hall? He's going to tell you about it. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Eight eighteen looks like forty is going to be our high today. A little bit foggy in those areas north of the city. Uh, well, you know what we need to do right now? 
We need to check in with Mark Cass. He is the editor-in-chief of the Milwaukee Business Journal. Mark, we're kind of excited around here at WTMJ and GKB because we are overlooking the beautiful 3rd Street Market Hall, where I understand there is a new business coming in. Tell us about this one. You know, it's been kind of fun to watch that develop, Libby, and see what goes on. But now they're talking about a national tour of comedy that's going to come there and perform on certain weekends over the next few months. I think it's great because, again, it's energy and activity in the building and in the area. You know, you think back four or five years, the area on West Wisconsin Avenue, west of the river, after 6 o'clock there was not much going on. But now with the food hall, with the MSO, with the convention center expanding, there's just a lot happening. I mean, the food hall has really added a lot to that. If you think about everything that goes on there through lunchtime and on the weekends, I've gone there on the weekends, it's been packed. It's just been a great addition. So to have something like this, we don't have a club like this kind of in the downtown. I know there's a couple in that region. So to add another attraction, to have more activity on Saturday nights, on Friday nights, right in the heart of downtown, I think is great for the city. And it'll make an easy walk for you. You can work your shift and then head over and maybe hear some jokes. What do you think? Listen, I need to hear some jokes and laughs some You need some material. (laughs) That's that's how it's going. Or you can go there on Saturday night. You can hang out all night and just go right to the studio on Sunday morning. How about that? So is this going to be a dedicated space, like a regular comedy club? Yeah, correct. But it'll be used for other things when they're not having the comedy space. But just to have a room where they'll have, you know, these national acts, these, you know, these individuals who are national, who've been in L.A., who've been on some of the shows, to come into Milwaukee to perform, I think is great for the city. But I think it's also good for the food hall because, you know, a food hall is successful just because not only it's restaurants, but it's other offerings. Think about it. When you go there, you hang out and you play games, you hang out and have a drink, you watch comedy. Just another reason to really hang out there and just bring that energy and activity that I always talk about. And I'll tell you, there are so many different options as far as places to Yeah, eat. and I'm thinking you on stage with your jokes will be something I'd come and watch. <laughs> yeah. Come and watch it booby off the stage. All right, let's talk well, about something we could... I may throw something at you, but, you know, whatever. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, those tomatoes. Anyway, let's talk about Ampam Field because they're getting yeah. a larger scoreboard and more food options. Food, Can you share any details with food, us? Yeah. You know, we were just talking about the food hall. The food hall is actually going to have an annex. They're going to have a number of the restaurants that are operating in the food hall. Right next to you are going to open stands out at the stadium. And I think the nice thing about stadiums and ones I've gone to across the country are when you have local options. I know I was out in New York at Yankee Stadium. It was kind of fun to see the local options. I've seen it at Wrigley. They have these local restaurants offering food, and that's what I think the brewers are moving towards and have over the past couple of years. So that's a really nice new addition you'll see in 24. The other thing you'll see in 24, I would say, is this brand-new scoreboard out in center field. Huge, one of the largest in the major leagues. You'll be able to see everything on there. And they're also adding a new scoreboard then in right field to show more replays. Again, it's kind of what we talked about throughout 23, about updating the stadium increasing the fan experience and this is another way to do that they're also going to expand the retail store make some changes there as they've tried to up their sales but again what you heard over 23 for the brewers is increasing the experience out of the fan field and really spending the money necessary to make that experience better that's kind of interesting that you said they're adding a second screen in right field correct just to see all those replays so you and the sausage race people like to see replays people like to see what's going on at the game and they can see who won, whether it was the Bratwurst or whether it was the hot dog who wins. That's a big part Mark, of my day out there. I know that. Mark, have you ever run in the sausage race? I have not, but I've heard the stories about it. And I've seen it. People don't realize, Libby, that those costumes are very top-heavy. So I've seen a lot of people fall. I don't want to be that guy, right? You don't want to be the guy who's in the sausage when it falls. I don't oh, want to do that. Mark, I think of, of everybody I know, because you're so athletic, 
You need to be in the sausage race. Mark Cass, Vince Vetrano, John McCure. I want to see all three of you out there running that race. Yeah, you know, Vince Vetrano, that'd be, you know, he's too short to do that. All right, let's talk about the Deer District and the former Punchbowl Social location. You have some details on what's going to go on there. Yeah, you know, we talked about this one of the years, how that's a prime spot in the district. Now the people who run bars and recreation, so that's the axe throwing place, some of the other things are going to actually run it. They're bringing in a restaurant operator who actually opened the Edison and the Midwater over the past couple of years. So really good restaurant operator. And then it's going to have all kinds of Wisconsin things in there in terms of the food and the products, making that because that's a large space. Think about how large a space that is for one person to run. So to have a number of operators in there to run that key part of that area, because if you remember in 21, when the Bucks were on the way to the NBA championship, there was all those crowds there, but that space was closed. So that's not good. You know, obviously you want to be open. So hopefully when they make a long run in the playoffs here in 24, they'll be open. They're supposed to open in April reactivate a space and make it really Wisconsin themed. I think that's going to be fun to watch with a lot of activities for a restaurant of that size to succeed. You need other activities and they're going to have a lot of cool stuff in there. So much excitement coming to the city. Let's turn to business now. We've got Harley Davidson yeah. reporting their fourth yep. quarter and final 2023 earnings on Thursday. What do you think the results are going to be this year? You know, 423, what we've heard from Harley is to expect flat to maybe 3% growth. So not great. Okay, at best. I think in 23, you saw the economics slow down there. That impacted Harley. I think the thing that's impacted Harley over the last few years is as the normal Harley customer ages and maybe is either not riding as much or not spending the money on the bikes anymore, they have to find new customers. They have to find more younger customers. They have to look to really add more of the millennials, add more African-American riders, add more Hispanic riders, really try to expand their base, go into more countries, expand there, whether it's Asia, whether it's Europe, just all over the world. As they try to So I think the next year or two, this is really important for Harley. I think 24 is important for Harley. You saw them roll out their new model about a week ago for 24. A lot of excitement, a lot of interest in that. So I think the energy is there. Will it translate to sales? And will we see a slowdown? And obviously, when we see an economic slowdown and a recession, what that means is that a lot of us aren't spending on high-ticket items. A high-ticket item is a Harley. So how will that impact Harley? 24 is going to be a very important year for Harley. All right. Finally, I know you've got the travel bug. Tell us about these new flights being added from Mitchell in 2024 and a lot of new nonstop destinations. Yeah. Interesting. They're going to have an international flight. They have not had one in a while, but they are going to have an international flight over to Mexico. So that's an important thing added this year. They're going to Raleigh, North Carolina. One of the flights that was asked for a lot through travelers, they're adding some more flights out to the West Coast. We've really, over the last couple of years, seen a lot of nonstops added to Milwaukee. I don't think we'll ever see the level of nonstops we had about 20 years ago, but we're slowly working our way back after the pandemic and after things that happened. Nonstop flights are so important here to Milwaukee because it just makes it easier to travel. You see more executive travel. And the airports had this campaign of flying out of Milwaukee and not flying out of Chicago, you know, because it's easier and it's cheaper. It's important for them, though, that, you know, to have these nonstop flights. So as they keep adding nonstop flights, I think more of us will travel in Milwaukee. My hope is easy to fly out of, I can, you know, and it's quick to get through. So I want to add these non-stops, but I also want to keep the ease and the access of it very much so. So I think 24 and 25 are going to be just really strong for the airport. And I agree with you as far as Mitchell is concerned. It is a very well-run airport. I mean, I can leave my condo and I can be at my airline in like 20 minutes or half hour. And that's not heard of anywhere else. So it's a great thing. We obviously want to add more flights, but we don't want to lose that. We want to make sure that we get all the flights we can for Mark Cass, who's not only a man about town, but you're sort of a world traveler as well. Oh, so we want to make it yes. nice and convenient for you. 
whatever works for me and you, right? That's what this is really about. It's all about us, Mark. Hey, listen, it's always <laughs> great to have you here. All right, Levy, you have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. And next week we get to talk Super Bowl, which will be fun. Can't wait. I can already taste the chicken wings next weekend. All right, it is 826 on WTMJ. Uh, Still ahead in the next half hour, we're going to hear from uh, Matt Miller. He's got some movies he wants to tell you about, but he's also going to talk a little bit about the Grammys and what to expect on that. Is it going to be Taylor Swift's night? Oh, who knows? It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. 35 degrees and 827 on WTMJ. Welcome back to Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I'm Libby Collins. We've got a busy, busy show this morning. Um, If you're a veteran, maybe you're having some problems at at work. We've got a retired naval captain who has taken a look at some of the challenges that veterans face in the workplace. And you might be surprised what they are. He's going to talk with us later on in the show. But right now, let's take a look at the week in review because there were calls for change to EMS procedures. There were two highway workers injured on I-94, plus that terrible unsolved tragedy in Elkhorn. Let's take a look. It's the week in review brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. What we do here is go back, 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 back. An attorney for Morgan Geyser has requested her release from Winnebago Mental Health Institute. Any questions? No, sir. The alleged dating app predator back in court today. I don't really want, want to get into the, the entire ins and outs of the situation. We have to go forward in this matter. President Biden announcing that Iran-backed militant groups killed three American service members and wounded several others in an aerial drone attack in Jordan. We shall Nine one one. Where is your emergency? I can't for you. Milwaukee Fire and EMS crews denying any wrongdoing after a woman died at a bus stop at the intersection of 76th and Congress. It's a reality of what we deal with in EMS every day of the year. CEO Jim Baker of Curtis Ambulance, who were the first responders dispatched to the scene. The EMS system here worked as designed. The first ambulance, which was for a low-priority call, was there within four minutes. It's much easier to sit in a warm truck than to get out in sub-zero temps, actively look around a bus stop for someone who has been called in as being unconscious and lying on the ground. Am I wrong? Don't think so. If the protocol is to stay within your your, uh, vehicle, uh, even for someone who's potentially saving a life, I think the more obvious reaction is, how the heck can that be the rule? Three highway workers injured on I-94. This is near the College Avenue on-ramp. We need paramedics right away. Our guys were working inside inside the core point. A car came and, and hit our truck, and they hit our guy. The consultants have determined that one map submitted by the Republican legislature and another from a conservative law firm are partisan gerrymanders. Will the Republicans really want a liberal-leaning court deciding what the final maps will look like, or will Republicans and the governor try to find some sort of consensus? Guard 6-3 from Weber's State. And Lillard had his chance. Ball knocked away from Simons. Picked up by Lillard. Lobs to Giannis, who thumps it down on the alley-oop. I'm sorry it took me so long to come out with new material, but I I do have a pretty good excuse. I was dead. (laughs) That 
What is supposedly an audio special called George Carlin, I'm Glad I'm Dead, a fake comedy special. Please welcome to What's on Tap, the executor of George Carlin's estate, Gerald Hamza. I understand that they've taken the show down, but they just took it upon themselves to try to copy a George Carlin special. We're getting some reports of a breaking situation in Elkhorn. The Elkhorn Police Department says two people are dead after a shooting at a sports bar. Is there a security risk for anyone in the community right now? We have no one in custody at this time for this crime, so people should take reasonable steps to assure their safety. Thousands of people headed to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania for Phil's annual forecast, and he did not see his shadow. Glad tidings on this Groundhog Day, and early spring is on the way! With beloved Gordy no longer with us, the Milwaukee County Zoo had to make a decision. Which animal could be used as a replacement on Groundhog Day? The zoo has decided to go with a penguin to make the prediction, which begs the question... Why a penguin? We know if the badger was pissed that he wasn't asked to do this. I don't think the badger minds. I think the badger's uh, uh, still sleeping or snoozing. Can a rodent get a little sleep around here? I weak. Big like blow up dolls. Lick spittle. I'm really bummed. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. I still think I would have asked the monkeys what they think about the weather. Anyway, the Weekend Review is sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited. It's 839, 35 degrees. We're going to get up to 40 today. Still a little bit of fog north of the city. So if you're out there driving, uh, be aware of that and be a little bit cautious. So coming up, have you filed your taxes yet? Well, if you haven't, Michelle Reiner from DACAP is going to tell you why it's a good idea to do it now rather than waiting. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Well, so we're just saying there's a dense fog advisory until 10 o'clock this morning for Zaki, Washington, Dodge, Sheboygan, and Fond du Lac counties. Uh, everybody else, it's going to be partly to mostly cloudy today. We'll get up to about 40 degrees then tonight. Slight chance of some sprinkle, maybe even a few flurries, uh, but it'll be uh, 32 for a low. Tomorrow looks partly to mostly cloudy, 40. Tuesday, partly cloudy, 42. Then we get to Wednesday, and it's going to feel mild under cloudy skies and a high of 48. And by Thursday, yep, that's when we're going to hit the 50s, Thursday and Friday, with a chance of showers. Currently in Port Washington, we have 33 degrees. Witchfield is at 31. Franklin has 35, and it's 36 degrees at WTMJ at 842. Not sure if you filed for your taxes yet, but if you haven't, there are some things you need to know about preventing tax-related ID theft. And joining us on our WTMJ hotline is Michelle Reinen, our consumer expert from DATCAP. And tell us why it's important to file early, Michelle. It's so important because an identity thief can get at your return before you do if you don't file early. And what I mean by that is if identity thief has enough information and they try and file your taxes before you do, they can misdirect that refund to themselves and take it away from you. And one way you can prevent this is to be sure that you file first and that you sign up for an identity theft protection pin with both the federal IRS and the Wisconsin Department of Revenue, and that adds an extra layer of security to your tax filing to prevent anyone else from filing in your name.
You know, we tend to save things that we've downloaded on our computers. Is it a good idea to keep those returns in your computer file? Well, it's going to be a loaded question. Ultimately, I'm going to say no, because we want to make sure that should your device get lost or stolen, you don't have excess information stored there. Also, if you let your guard down on securing your device and someone can get into it, that's more information stored on your device that someone can get after. Now, I know people want to be able to download the previous year's taxes and have all that auto-filled, but You can do that by storing that information offline, off your device, just loading it when you need to when you're performing your tax return and get it back off the device. Now, what about those documents that you get that are, you know, the old-fashioned way? They're paper. They might be credit card offers. They might be bank statements, uh, medical information. What should you do with those papers if you no longer need them? Protect your identity by shredding those items. Shred those unneeded documents. Get yourself a microcut shredder and take care of them one by one as you clean out the file. If you're going to do a big purge, then find a shred event in your community to take those two and have them securely destroyed. So that way that information doesn't end up in the hands of an identity thief or blowing out in the wind somewhere on recycle day because they weren't shredded. You want that information destroyed securely. Now, if you experience any kind of identity theft, what should you do, Michelle? Well, first contact the entity that holds the information. And so if you experience financial identity theft, get in contact with your bank and your credit card company. But then what you do is you contact Consumer Protection so we can help walk you through the steps of placing a security freeze on your credit report, putting a fraud alert on different accounts. And you can reach us at 1-800-422-7128. It's 845 and coming up in just one minute, Brandon Snide and Sports right here on WTMJ. Behind 48 points from the two-time MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Milwaukee Bucks snapped their two-game losing skid and beat the Mavericks in Dallas. This one by a final score of 129-117. to Still 4.8 seconds to go. Giannis picks it up in midcourt. He's galloping the other direction, glides into the other side. Coast to coast, the Greek freak gets the Bucks back ahead again. Another lead change. We just saw four lead changes in about a minute as that closes out. Dave Kane on the call right here on WTMJ as Giannis would have 48, Lillard would add 30, and the Bucks get back into the win column during this five-game West Coast road trip. And after the game, Coach Rivers pleased with his play from his two starting All-Stars. You know what's great? It's so obvious, and you see that, right? It's so obvious when it doesn't. It's night and day on our team. And if we can get to those stretches, you know, where it's 43 minutes of that, we're hard to guard. When we get to those stretches where the ball sticks and everyone knows where the ball, we're not hard to guard. And it's, it literally is that simple for us. And we just got to keep seeing it. I thought Dame and Giannis were aggressive and moved the ball at the same time tonight. And when they play like that, everybody gets involved. Uh, AJ came in and gave us a huge lift, by the way. Really, really proud to see that. Quick turnaround for the Bucks, who are 33-16 and 16 on their season. They'll play in Utah tonight against the Jazz. Tip-off time set for 7 p.m. Over to college hoops, where the Wisconsin Badgers will look to bounce back following their Thursday night loss at Nebraska. The six-ranked Badgers will play host to Purdue today. That tip-off time set for noon. The number two Boilermakers coming into the Kohl Center for another tough test. 
for Greg Gard and his crew. And lastly, we'll stick with college hoops as the Marquette Golden Eagles win their not one, not two, but their sixth game in a row, this time taking care of Georgetown, 91-57. to Cam Jones having a career day, 31 points. Tyler Kolick added 17. And the Marquette Golden Eagles now sitting at 17-5 and on their season. They'll have a week off before they play host to St. John's on Saturday. I'm Brandon Snide, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Brandon. We have 36 degrees. We're going to get up to 40 today. A little bit cloudy out there. And uh, it's 849 on WTMJ. And coming up next, Matt Miller. What's going to happen to the Grammys? He's going to tell you. It's all ahead of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. It's me. Hi. Well, there's no football this weekend, so of course we've got to find out what Taylor Swift is doing. Uh, <laughs> that's what we're going to find out with the Grammys. And let's check in with media critic and pop culture editor at OnMilwaukee.com, Matt Miller. And Matt, what are we going to do this weekend? No football. It's got to be all about Taylor. Yeah, you know, as opposed to most football games when it's definitely not all about Taylor. <laughs> so what's going to happen at the Grammys, do you think? A lot of a lot of Taylor Swift, I imagine. I imagine she will win album of the year. I mean, it's it's a really good category. You have a lot of big names in there. And I mean, the thing with the Grammys is that they are very unpredictable. They do tend to kind of go their own way when it comes to picking their favorites of the year. But I just feel like Taylor Swift, it's been such a monolithic year. I, I, I have a hard time believing, you know, even the Grammys could be like, oh, let's go a different way with this one. Okay. Can they possibly ignore the Barbie phenom? No, I, I imagine they will not. And I imagine you will hear at least one Barbie song. I'll be interested to see what categories make this the show tonight. And if, you know, Barbie was such a sensation that they move something like, you know, the, the film score category, uh, the album for a motion picture. I, I wonder if they move that up uh, into the broadcast. Because, again, there's like 70, 80, 100 million categories at the Grammys every year. We only see maybe about 12 or 14 of them. So I, I wonder if they do move that up, though, because Barbie was such a sensation. Okay, any local connection to the, to the Grammys? Uh, no, none in the major categories, obviously. None, none particularly there, I would say. Um, yeah, not, not really, I would say. I think, I think it's mostly uh, famous people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let, let's turn our, our, our interest to uh, the movies, because there's a film that's been released. It's called Argyle, and the cast, when I'm looking at it, I mean, every, it seems like everybody is in this movie. Yeah, uh, everyone is in this movie except for a good script and anything memorable or good in it. Yeah, I did not enjoy Argyle very much at all. It is, at best, super forgettable. It is the kind of movie that you watch, and midway through the movie, you like stop and realize, you're like, I don't know why anyone is doing anything they're doing in this movie anymore. Like, I don't understand what the the goal is in this scene i don't understand what mcguffin they're trying to pick up like it it just is a really kind of dead-eyed experience and it's uh matthew vaughn directed this he directed the kingsman movies he directed uh the x-men first class movie he's normally a very kind of fun poppy director and in this case all of his kind of fun poppy ticks just kind of get annoying after a while it just feels like the movie is desperately trying to be interesting and it's not yeah i, I it, it is a shame because 
you know, it's a it's technically kind of an original action movie. We want people to, you know, check out original movies, you know, instead of franchises. But this it doesn't feel original. It feels pretty soulless while you're watching is, it. Is it a comedy or a drama? Kind of. It, it, so it's like a kind of. <laughs> that, that's the thing. Like, you didn't it, answer it, the question. <laughs> But, you know, watch the movie and come back to me on that one because, you know, there's there's like a big action scene at the end of the movie that's like literally intertwined with a dance number. And you're like, is this funny? Like, I'm supposed to am I supposed to find this amusing? Like, there's just like a real tonal problem with the movie where it wants to be kind of cartoony and Kingsman kind of pulls off a kind of, you know, we're going to be cartoony. Oh, Kingsman. Go- yeah, Kingsman's a good movie. Yeah, and that one kind of pulls off the, like, we're going to be cartoony, we're going to be over the top, because it's making, it's a kind of parody of James Bond movies, mm-hmm. which go over the top and are very parodyable, whereas this movie feels like it's a parody of a movie that doesn't exist. Like, it feels like it's making fun of something that kind of isn't, Real? Yeah, it, it, it's just a very odd, uninteresting movie. And it's a shame because you have good actors. I mean, Sam Rockwell is, you know, normally the saving grace of every movie he's in. You know, John Cena can be really funny. John Cena, by the way, is in this movie for maybe two minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his agent is doing. Uh, please. like Get the paycheck. Yeah, honestly, and I mean, the movie's like a $200 million Apple streaming movie, so, and I will also say, the money is not on screen. It is a movie that looks and feels like a COVID shot movie, where it's just like, every scene just feels like there's nobody in it. Like, there's supposed to be scenes that feel like they're like party scenes or like, you know, fancy event scenes. And there's like five people in the background, and you're like, where are the people in this movie? Where, where, where is this movie taking place where no one exists anymore? I did not enjoy this movie. I would love to tell you to go see a new original movie in theaters, uh, but unfortunately it doesn't feel very original. It doesn't feel very new. I, yeah, it's just kind of dire times out there in theaters. All right, well, let's, let's talk about something local, because February is Black History Month, and I understand that Milwaukee Films uh, has some special programming for that. Yeah, they do this every year now. They bring in uh, a bunch of really interesting movies for their Black History Month programming. They began this month with an encore showing of the Beyonce Renaissance concert film, which was awesome. And they're going to keep going throughout the month. They were going to do a special retrospective screening of Eddie Murphy's Boomerang, if you remember that movie, kind of an underappreciated uh, Eddie Murphy comedy from the from the 90s. Uh, we're checking out. They're going to have the horror movie Nanny on the big screen, which is a really good indie horror film that came out, I believe, two years ago. Uh, most people probably missed it. Great chance to see this again. Uh, they're going to have a documentary called Gaining Ground, produced by Al Roker, about uh, black farmers and kind of how they've lost their land over the years and how many of them are trying to get it back. Really interesting selection of movies. So if you're looking for a way to kind of do Black History Month this, uh, this month, uh, they've got a bunch of really great options. They have many more, too, uh, mkefilm.org. You can find the full list. We also posted that on onmilwaukee.com as well. But, yeah, a bunch of really inter- I mean, don't see Argyle. See one of these really interesting Black History Month movies that the Oriental is going to be showing. I will also note they're doing a special Love Hurts 
series at the Oriental Theater right now as well uh, of kind of twisted romance stories for the Valentine's Day season. So if you want to see Twisted ro- <laughs> Yeah, Twisted Romance movies for Valentine's Day. That's yeah. how I want to set that it. Yeah. It's, okay. It's, it's a fun kind of twist on, you know, mm. the, the usual Valentine's Day stuff. But yeah, they're gonna have stuff like Saltburn. Uh Which we haven't this. talked about, but I understand is a really weird movie. It's it's a trip, that movie. Yeah. Uh it yeah. is it is fun to not watch with the whole family. I can yeah. highly recommend uh, that, but yeah, they're gonna have stuff like My Bloody Valentine, the horror movie, and and Saltburn, and Secretary, bunch of really fun cult hits back on the screen. Sid and Nancy, uh, really fun, interesting choices. Uh, so again, yeah, there's there's not a lot new out in movie theaters right now. We're checking out, but there is a lot of really interesting stuff, especially at the Oriental Theater uh, throughout the month of February. All right. Well, Matt, always great to have you here, and we do follow you at onmilwaukee.com. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's 8.59. Wyatt Barmore-Pooley's in the newsroom. He's going to have more on this extremely violent night um, in the city, and we're going to talk to him about that and find out also if there's any new details on those Elkhorn murders this this past week. Again, uh, just some shocking news out there today. It's all I had on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Libby Collins. A little bit later on this hour, we are going to be talking with a naval captain. Uh, He's retired, but he has some advice if you are a veteran and maybe you've had some communication problems in your place of work, and he'll tell you why this is happening and what to do to resolve those issues. But before we do anything else, we've got Wyatt Bormar-Pooley here. By the way, great to have you here this morning, Wyatt. Yeah, great to be back on the old shift. Uh, yeah, but you know what? I, and I think both of us checked our emails this morning, and we got a, a release from the Night Watch commander at the Milwaukee Police Department, and our heads were reeling yeah, with so, the number of shootings that happened in a seven-hour period. Exactly. It's not uncommon to get an email or two from the Night Watch commander because things happen overnight, and we got to make sure we're all set in the morning for news. But this was... A, a lot all at once, all in one email, and seven different shootings. A 16-year-old, a uh, 17-year-old, or actually, uh, my mistake, a two 16-year-olds and an 18-year-old are among those who were shot. Luckily, it seems like all of the people that were shot are listed by police, in except one, the, one of the 16-year-olds. Everyone else is in stable condition, that 16-year-old in serious condition. That's the lucky part of this, is that nobody ended up losing their life. Now, are these all in a particular area of the city, or was this spread throughout? Um, I, I have to cross-reference them. I know a couple of them seem to be on the northwest side where we see a lot of violence, but I'm seeing a lot of street names. It looks like it was uh, not limited to one area. I was curious about a couple of the shootings. Two 16-year-olds shot within five minutes of each other, but they seem yeah. to be unrelated. Oh, and that's what we're hearing. What about these others? Are they robbery-related? Are they because people were in altercations? Do we have any idea? That's one of the notable things about this is that Milwaukee police have no suspects in any of these seven shootings. Only the first one, the 16-year-old in serious condition, does the release even say that they're trying to identify suspects. Uh, 
that they might have any type of lead. So we we have gotten no communication from the Milwaukee Police Department that they uh, and they will tell us sometimes when they say this will be the result of an argument. This will be the result sure. of a robbery, even in this initial information. None of that. So it's looking like a busy night for the police as they try to investigate all of these shootings. Yeah, I, very stressful, I'm sure, for the guys out on the street. Now, um, another just terrible, violent situation happened in Elkhorn this past week. And uh, just, you know, if you haven't heard, but I think most people have by now about the couple that was shot. What do we know right now? Are there any suspects? Have they have they released any information on that? There's been no update on any suspects identified, arrested, or otherwise. Uh, again, that doesn't necessarily mean that the police have not figured that out. They just have not released it to the public and to us. The latest is the, the family of the couple has started a GoFundMe for funeral costs, and a couple of the other local businesses have been talking to our news partners at TMJ4 News uh, about how worrying it is to operate a business feet from where people were shot and no suspect is even identified. Yeah, yeah. In, in a capsule, let's tell everybody what happened in case they missed it. Yeah, so it was a. Uh, it was shortly after midnight a few days ago. The Sports Page Bar, two people shot and killed uh, er, overnight. We got it early that morning, and the, the, the police have said that there's no danger necessarily to the public. They don't think it's an active threat at the time, uh, even then, but they still have not identified any suspects. It was uh, Gina and, uh, I believe it was Gina and Emerson Weingart are yeah, the people and- who was identified. What's interesting, when the police say, we don't think there's any threat to the community, that's almost a signal that, that they believe that the victims must have known the person who did that to them. Certainly that it was an isolated incident, whatever the motive was, rather than a mass shooting type situation where the person commits random acts of violence. Yeah. Okay. And then I have to ask you this one, Wyatt, because last week uh, we had Jessica Getzo here, and she broke the story uh, last Sunday morning about in a, just a bizarre story out of Sussex with a dog that they said, and, and she, I'm going to use the, the ter- term that was used, said, a dog was murdered by an 18-year-old babysitter. Do we have more details on that one? Yeah, so there was the thought of, was this just a person who uh, was not known to the family of the dog? Was this somebody who was in the house for the first time? No, that's not the case. It was an 18-year-old babysitter, Kylie Sonneman. She has been identified as and charged with felony mistreatment of animals causing death with use of a dangerous weapon. So that's a that's an additional charge. That would get her at least three and a half years in prison before any more charges are possibly added. Actually, no, uh, my mistake that it's a minimum of three and a half, maximum of seven and a half. And she was known to the family. They uh, had known her since she was a baby. They, she had known the family longer than they'd had the poor eight-year-old dog. She told police in the investigation that she doesn't remember stabbing the dog, but that uh, there was something going on. It, very unclear exactly what's going on with her. It sounds like she may be dealing with some mental issues. A preliminary hearing for her is scheduled for February 7th. The family obviously devastated. Well, and and I mean, in reading the report on that, it, it seemed to be planned in some way because there was a plastic bag over the dog's head. It's certainly uh, what we don't know exactly what led up to the stabbing. The details of that have not been released. If if there is a trial, I assume it will be. We'll, we may get some more details in a criminal complaint as well. But it 
What was said uh, in some of these news reports, including, again, our partners at TMJ4 News and the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, is that the babysitter, Kylie Sonneman, helped look for the dog. Obviously not in reality because she had killed him, but that there was definitely some attempt at a cover-up after it happened. So he was hidden under blankets. She took the responsibility for searching the room that he was ultimately found in days later by one of the children uh, of that family. So just an Honestly, there's there's nothing good about this story. Every every detail I tell you is going to it's it's not none of it's good. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't know why it. I know you're. I know here at the WTMJ Breaking News Center, you guys are all over all of these situations, and we'll keep everyone posted as we get more information. Yeah, I, I preferred yeah. when kind the of new- a grisly morning yeah, today, isn't it? I preferred when the news was about the penguins. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Get get back to the penguins. All right. Thank you so much. Great to have you back here, even if it's just for one morning, uh, Wyatt. But thanks for for updating us on all of that, Wyatt. Barbara. You can't get me. You can't get rid of me that easily, Libby. Uh, you know I never would. All right. It's uh, nine fourteen. Coming up in just a couple minutes, we've got Brandon Snide with sports right here on WTMJ. After dropping their last two games, the Milwaukee Bucks finally got back into the win column Saturday night. Giannis scored 48 points, and the Bucks overcoming a 25-point deficit for their first victory under coach Doc Rivers, beating the Dallas Mavericks on the road in Dallas by a final of 129-117. to On the other side, it's Payne. A jab step. Hands to Giannis at the right elbow. Thinking about that shot. Instead, he drives into Kleba and plunges it down, serving up the facial. The big fella is playing with an extra dose of fury now. He's got 36 in the game. Damian Lillard also scored 30 points in the second biggest comeback victory this season for Milwaukee, which trailed Portland by 26 in a November win. Giannis also adding 10 assists. With those two at the helm, Coach Rivers knows good things can happen for his Milwaukee Bucks. This is a veteran team, but we do have some young guys on it. And the more uh, patience the veterans show, the better that our young guys can play. And I think that's important. Next up for the box is a trip to Utah tomorrow night to take on the Jazz. Over some college hoop action where the Marquette Golden Eagles just keep on finding ways to win. This time it was Cam Jones scoring a career-high 31 points. Tyler Kolick also having himself a good day. 17 points and 8 assists. And the number 9 team in the country, the Marquette Golden Eagles, winning its 6th straight game, 91-57 over Georgetown on Saturday afternoon. The 17-5 Marquette Golden Eagles now with a week off before they get set to host St. John's on Saturday. And lastly, we'll stick with college hoops as the number 6-ranked Wisconsin Badgers will look to avenge their Thursday loss against Nebraska. They get set to host number 2-ranked Purdue in a Big Ten clash at the Kohl Center. Tip-off is set for noon. I'm Brandon Snide, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Brandon. You know, I've known a lot of veterans through the years, many of whom are extremely accomplished, and uh, especially in what they did when they were in the military. But sometimes those skills, it seems like they should translate to a commercial workplace, but occasionally things go wrong, and we're going to be joined by a retired Navy captain in just a couple minutes. He's going to explain what that, what's going on, why it is, and what can be done. It's all ahead in Wisconsin. Weekend morning news, 36 degrees at uh, 919 on WTMJ. 
be partly to mostly cloudy today. We'll get up to about 40 degrees overnight. Got a slight chance of some sprinkles or maybe even a few flurries. 32, but tomorrow we're going to get up to 40 as well under partly to mostly sky, mostly cloudy skies. Then we start to see a little bit of a warm-up. On Tuesday, our high will be 42. Wednesday, we're going to get up to 48. And by Thursday and Friday, we are going to be in the low 50s, and we've got a chance of showers on Thursday. In Racine right now, 37 degrees. Oconomowoc has 34. Cedarburg is at 34, and we have 36 degrees at WTMJ at 922. Captain William Toady served for more than 26 years on active duty. He was a Commodore of Submarine Squadron 3, and then he moved on to being a corporate executive and eventually a CEO. You've probably seen him on a lot of documentaries on Fox, PBS, and the History Channel, and he's now written a book, From CO to CEO, A Practical Guide for Transitioning from Military to Industry Leadership. And Captain, we've got a lot of veterans out here in southeastern Wisconsin, And a lot of them, well, they've run into problems as they're trying to transition from being in the service and into private commerce. Tell us some of the things that you learned through your years of experience. Yeah, thanks, Libby. Now, by the way, I started my Navy career as an enlisted man up in Great Lakes. What I'll tell you is that the military develops a lot of great skills in its veterans. For example, teamwork. Folks do learn how to work together coherently towards a common goal. You know, another great skill is is what we like to refer to in the military as embracing the suck. Sometimes life is difficult on active duty, and you learn how to embrace that. So that develops into, you know, the hardness, and employers can really make use of that. But there are other attributes that are developed while on active duty that it turns out aren't so helpful. And it took me years to figure this out, actually, and almost caused me to fail myself. One of those attributes, sometimes active duty folks develop a bit of a chip on their shoulder or a bit of arrogance because they know they've done hard things and they believe that that skill of you know, getting through hard things is going to translate effectively into civilian industry. It's the arrogance part that really starts hurting people. Also, you know, while we on active duty know that not many civilians know what we do, active duty folks assume that they know more about the business environment and the workforce in civilian life than they actually do. And that can lead to some failures as well. And lastly, the military pretends to train folks effectively as they transition out of military service. And it turns out that that ends up being the blind leading the blind. The people doing the training have never actually worked in private industry themselves. They don't know what they're doing. They're not evaluated on how effective they are in training people for good transition. And so, again, folks are led to believe that they're more prepared when they transition than they really are. And all of these factors can lead to, unfortunately, a lot of failure when they do transition to the civilian jobs. There's a statistic more than 50% of veterans leave their first job or are fired within two years of leaving active duty. And that's a statistic that I'm trying to help correct with my book. What are some of the things that managers, that people in corporate business who hire veterans and they want to do it, what should they be doing to help these veterans transition? Well, the first thing I'll say is that you're not going to get a better employee than a military veteran if you accommodate 
the deficiencies that the veterans are going to bring to you. For example, the notion that you could just kind of throw them into the deep end and they're going to know how to swim is completely wrong. You shouldn't presume that they really understand how to affect the mission. The second thing is veterans understood their mission when they were on active duty. The defense of the United States is kind of a self-actualizing mission, and it's easy to get your arms around. It's harder for veterans to understand the mission when they're in a corporate environment. Their tendency is to believe that their mission is to put more money in their boss's pocket, which, of course, couldn't be further from the truth. Each business has a mission that serves customers, and the veterans need to be aided and assisted in understanding what those missions are. The third thing I will tell you is if you bring veterans into leadership positions, which I absolutely recommend, they're going to need some adjustment. So I tell my active duty friends, leadership is hard, but it's even harder when you're leading people who can actually quit. For example, on my submarine, my crew might have disagreed with some decision I was making, but in final analysis, there was no place for them to go. In industry, of course, if you're leading badly, people are going to vote with their feet and you're going to lose employees. And those veterans need to be acclimated to that truth. And what sort of behavioral changes do veterans need to exemplify in the workplace? The first one is to assume that they don't know what they need to know to succeed in this new environment and keep an open mind and keep a learning attitude. You know, I tell folks, it doesn't matter if you're retiring from the military at 45, transition industries, it's very likely that the 24-year-old sitting next to you knows more about what it's going to take to succeed in this new environment than you are. The second one is you need to be humble. The attitude where I did great things on active duty isn't going to help you in your civilian job. There's a great book that I recommend to people called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. In other words, the skills that allowed you to succeed on active duty are not necessarily going to allow you to succeed in industry. In fact, the more successful you were on active duty, the more you're likely to believe that you're going to be successful in your future career, and the more likely you are to fail because of that assumption. And so that humility of understanding that it requires a completely different skill set will help the veteran succeed. Captain, you have so much great advice for not just veterans, but the businesses that hire them. And again, the book is called From CEO to CEO, A Practical Guide for Transitioning from Military to Industry Leadership. Captain William Toady, thank you, sir, for your service. And thank you to all the veterans out there for everything they've done. Thank you very much, Libby. Yeah, it, it's a fascinating book. And I, you know, I was just telling Isaac here off the air that I, off the top of my head, I can think of at least three individuals, all whom serve very bravely as officers in the military under you know, stressful situations, and they went into a corporate environment and struggled for the very reasons that Captain Toady explained. So again, um, yeah, great book. Very interesting. All right, it's 928, uh, still ahead in the next half hour. Uh, oh, this is kind of this is kind of a feel-good thing. We talk about an art fair next weekend and and so much more. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. And welcome back to the final half hour of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I'm Libby Collins. A little later on, about 20 minutes from now, we're going to be talking with someone about um, the lack of black male therapists and what impact that is having on the community. It's 936 and uh, we have 37 degrees at WTMJ.
Well, let's head to Port Washington, where the Mercantile Plaza is excited to announce a kickoff of the inaugural Port Art Showcase. And joining us is Julie Christensen. And Julie, tell us about this. And, you know, normally we don't see art shows in the middle of winter. Exactly. Well, and that is precisely why we're doing it. We're trying to create a reason for people to come to Port Washington during these cold months. And with the artist presentations happening indoors, as well as the displays of artwork in area businesses, about 25 businesses around the town, it's pretty easy to manage with any type of weather condition. All right. So I guess the first question people have, is this going to be indoors or outdoors? Yeah, so the kickoff to the event, which actually runs for two full weeks, the kickoff will be on February 10th, which is Saturday, and it'll start with a presentation from the League of Milwaukee Artists. We have 28 different artists that will be presenting their work, so probably about two minutes each, short presentation, and then they will be delivering all of their art to surrounding businesses. All of that is taking place indoors. Now, is there some sort of a map as to where you can go to see all this artwork? There is. So people will be able to get maps online. We will have QR codes on all of our social media. We will also have posters and signage. And then we will also be handing out maps as well. So they will be able to figure out which art is at which location. We're also doing an event, a raffle event on the 24th to kind of culminate that two weeks of display where if you visit 10 different art locations, you will qualify for a raffle and free prizes as well. Now, here's something that kind of sparked my interest, and that's the Galentine's Night. Tell us about that. Yeah, so in Port Washington, every third Thursday, the town tries to do something interesting, and many of the area businesses actually are open late. We usually stay open until 7 or 8 o'clock and have different events happening. They might be DIY art projects. Um, some people do wine tasting, chocolates, things like that. And so um, various different businesses are doing things for that third Thursday on the 15th. And I guess the other question a lot of people have is with all this art on display, is any of it available for purchase? It's all available for purchase, actually. So um, uh, with each piece of art and on all of our um, promotional materials, there is a QR code and also a website for a silent auction portal. So all of the pieces will have a photograph of the art, um, description of what it's made out of, the size, where it's located, and then you will be able to bid online. There will be both a minimum bid level and then also a buy it now. So if you're really in love with something, you can just buy it outright and it'll be taken out of the auction, um, um, silent auction process. I love that there's going to be an art show in the middle of winter. Now, if anybody out there wants more information about the event, it kicks off next Saturday, the Port Art Showcase going on for two weeks. Uh, where can they find it? So we have a Facebook event page, Port Art Showcase. Also, if you go to Mercantile Plaza Port Facebook page, you'd be able to find it there. Um, and then also, uh, if you just see a poster around town, um, you can also scan the QR codes that are on, on that poster. Julie Christensen, great to have you here. Thank you so much. And we hope that everybody comes out and takes a look at this wonderful art from the League of Milwaukee Artists. It's 940, 37 degrees at WTMJ. And who's on Conversations today? One of my favorite people. We'll tell you about it right after this on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Down and cook, up, 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 up.
37 degrees at 942. Well, as you know, Rose Gray talks with fans every Saturday morning at 9 o'clock on the Fox World Travel Show all about their dream vacations. But she started her career in the travel industry as a receptionist. I asked Rose about the very first time she booked a trip for a client. A couple walked in, and I remember this so distinctly. They were clearly farmers by the smell. They had just come out of the barn, and they wanted to go to Las Vegas. I looked around at the staff that I had, and every single person was on the phone, or maybe picked up the phone and pretended they were on the phone because they didn't want to take this customer. So I said, let's see if I can maybe help you. What is it you're looking for? They knew exactly what hotel they wanted to stay at, the old Westward Ho that isn't even there anymore. We go three times a year. This is exactly what we want. I thought, well, how hard is this? I booked them and I took their deposit and I went into the manager and I said, I hope I'm not in trouble, but there was nobody available. And I helped this lovely couple realize their dream of going to Las Vegas for the third time this year. Here's the money and here's the deposit. What's my next step? Rose Gray has such interesting stories. And, you know, she really had a very interesting life before becoming a travel advisor. Now, we talked to her about all of it, and I don't want you to miss it. It's a very special WTMJ Conversations at 11 o'clock today, right after the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show. It's uh, 944, and you are a minute away from Brandon Snide and Sports right here on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Behind 48 points from the two-time MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Milwaukee Bucks snapped their two-game losing skid and beat the Mavericks in Dallas. This one by a final score of 129 to 117. Still 4.8 seconds to go. Giannis picks it up at midcourt. He's galloping the other direction, glides into the other side, coast to coast. The Greek freak gets the Bucks back ahead again. Another lead change. We just saw four lead changes in about a minute. Is that closes out? Dave Kane on the call right here on WTMJ as Giannis would have 48, Lillard would add 30, and the Bucks get back into the win column during this five-game West Coast road trip. And after the game, Coach Rivers pleased with his play from his two starting All-Stars. You know what's great? It's so obvious, and you see that, right? It's so obvious when it doesn't. It's night and day on our team. And if we can get to those stretches, you know, where it's 43 minutes of that, we're hard to guard. When we get to those stretches where the ball sticks and everyone knows where the ball, we're not hard to guard. And it literally is that simple for us. And we just got to keep seeing it. I thought Dame and Giannis were aggressive and moved the ball at the same time tonight. And when they play like that, everybody gets involved. Uh, AJ came in and gave us a huge lift, by the way. Really, really proud to see that. Quick turnaround for the Bucs, who are 33-16 and on their season. They'll play in Utah tonight against the Jazz. Tip-off time set for 7 p.m. Over to College Hoops, where the Wisconsin Badgers will look to bounce back following their Thursday night loss at Nebraska. The six-ranked Badgers will play host to Purdue today. That tip-off time set for noon. The number two Boilermakers coming into the Kohl Center for another tough test for Greg Gard and his crew. And lastly, we'll stick with College Hoops as the Marquette Golden Eagles win their not one, not two, but their sixth game in a row, this time taking care of Georgetown, 91-57. Cam Jones having a career day, 31 points. Tyler Kolick added 17. And the Marquette Golden Eagles now sitting at 17-5 and on their season. They'll have a week off before they play host to St. John's on Saturday. I'm Brandon Snide, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Brandon. And it is so nice to have you here on a Sunday morning. We've got 37 degrees at 947 and coming up in just a couple of minutes. Um, is a lack of black male therapists a detriment 
in helping young men break the cycle of violence in our community? We're going to talk to somebody about that. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. It's going to be partly to mostly cloudy today, a high of 40 degrees, then maybe a chance of some sprinkles or flurries overnight, down to 32. Tomorrow looks partly to mostly cloudy again, a high of 40. Tuesday will warm up to 42 degrees. Wednesday even a little bit warmer, 48 for a high under some increasing clouds, but it's going to feel much milder. And then by Thursday and into Friday, looks like we're actually going to reach the 50s. Slight chance of a shower on Thursday. Right now, Elkhart Lake is showing us 30 degrees. Muskego's at 37. Lake Geneva is 37. We have 36 degrees at WTMJ at 950. Well, black men are more likely to experience greater psychosocial stressors and a higher mortality rate than their white counterparts. Yet only 1% of therapists are black males. And joining us is Alex Williams. He's the Director of Community Engagement for WellPoint right here in Milwaukee. And I know you're having an event on Thursday, and we're going to talk about that in a second, Alex. But um, first of all, why is there so? why are there so few black male therapists. Yeah, well, good morning. Uh, Thank you for having me. Um, I think there are a lot of factors. Um, The first one being the lack of equity of opportunity. Um, How are we supporting young black males in their educational journeys um, when they show interest in those different career paths um, that have to do with mental health in some capacity, right? And then are we directing them when they show um, I heard earlier uh, you all were talking about those transferable skills, right? When yeah. a young black male shows, shows promise that they could have a career in mental health or they're interested in it, what kind of level of support are we offering them? Um, what kind of career pathways are we showing them? Oh, I think that's a that's a huge part of it. I even think the, like career day, right, and high interest day that we had in school. How many times do we bring therapists in? How many times do we bring in mental health professionals so that a young black man can see, oh, I can be that? Right. I can I can do that. I can affect my community in that way. Um, So I think those are two huge factors um, right away, because I think that they we oftentimes um, black men, we have our cathartic practices. We have groups, we have spaces, um, but we don't often see those translate into a professional career. Um, And I think we have to make young black men more aware of just how powerful those transferable skills that they possess are. I think at the heart of therapy is right empathy and understanding, and I do not think that there's a lack of that within the black community, within young black males. I just think that we have to highlight it more, right? And we have to to mold it, and we have to to make it so it's it's okay and it's safe and it's destigmatizing to be a therapist and to and to go to therapy. Yeah, well, you know, I mentioned the psychosocial stressors and that high mortality rate that young black males have. Do you think a lot of it has to do with the fact that if they do go into counseling, um, you know, it's more likely they're going to be talking with a, a, either a white male or female or even a, an African-American woman. And is it harder for them to express their feelings, do you think? Absolutely. I think that um, all cases are individual, right? But I think that a lack of representation is, is glaring within the community of mental health. And I think that um, the 1% of black male therapists in the U.S., um, as, as 
strong and as smart and as powerful as they might be, they they may not be able to cover the entire um, crisis of those who need them, right? The the population that needs them the most. And I think that young black males have to see it, um, to be it or to believe it sometimes, right? I think that um, they need somebody who can relate, but also somebody that they feel cares or feel that have shared similar experiences, have gone through the things that they've gone through. Um, I don't, I don't think that we can continue to perpetuate um, this cycle of the perception of a lack of care. Uh, we do care. Um, we just can't be everywhere, right? Um, but we can be better. Is that reflective here in, in and around our community in southeastern Wisconsin and Milwaukee especially? Uh, are, there, are there any black male therapists that you know of? Yes, actually. So when we um, first started to do these uh, these black mental health panels last year, um, it was kind of a, a struggle at first to search for and to, to to find black male therapists or just black therapists in general um, within southeastern Wisconsin, within the city of Milwaukee specifically. But we did find um, we did find a few, and we have a few attending our panel um, on Thursday. Um, so just thinking about people like uh, Brother Shannon Smith. Um, Ken Jenlack, uh, Robert Lee, Amber Crombie. Um, these are uh, black males in the community who actively have talked about wanting to be involved with youth, wanting to be um, there for them, wanting to expand the, the influence and the awareness of within the therapy or within the mission. So Okay, Al- Al- yeah, Alex, I need you to talk more into the mouthpiece because uh, we're losing you there for a second. Go ahead. Oh, uh, yep, just, um, just saying that we do have... Um, black male therapists within the community, people like um, Ken Jenlack, Robert Lee, Amber Crombie, um, Shannon Smith, um, Irvin Keller Jr., people who we've invited to panels or who have sat on panels um, and that at, want to have a wider influence um, within the community and be able to reach the youth and be able to be those visible presences for them in the community. Yeah, Alex, i got to ask you this question because we've been talking about it all morning, and that is it was a particularly violent night last night in Milwaukee. Um, seven shootings. I mean, we don't have the exact demographic information right now, but we do know um, some of the young men were teenagers or, or, or in their 20s. Uh, it does seem to be in predominantly black areas where these shootings take place, and we see this uh, just on a, I hate to say it, but certainly on a weekly basis. Do you think that the lack of black male therapists is a detriment in helping young men break that cycle of violence in the community? Absolutely. Um, But I think it it extends beyond therapists. I think that um, just for perspective that youth violence incidents in uh, Milwaukee County have actually gone down um, in the past couple of years. However, that doesn't mean that there's not more work to do the same way that Reckless driving um, is a public health crisis within the city. Um, gun violence is as well, right? And and I think that um, programs like the Credible Messenger Program, um, places like the Running Rebels, different youth groups, different places that um, want to take in young men who are like at higher risk for violent incidents and, and mentor them and mold them and give them those skills and show them a different way. I think those places should be highlighted more. Um, but I do think that we have to... Um, Look at all the different avenues through which we can mentor or help um, young men of color, black males in particular, in order to break out of that, that cycle of violence. All right. And finally, let's talk about the event on Thursday. Where is it and how can we get more information? 
Absolutely. So the 1% panel, um, Black Men and Mental Health, is taking place Thursday, February 8th at WellPoint Care Network. That address is 8901. The event takes place from 4.30 to 7 p.m. And in so we do have five panelists confirmed. We have Ambrose Wilson-Brown, who's a mental health wellness performance coach. Montreal Kane of New York. Yeah. Winnell Raymond. Alex, we're losing we're we're losing you on this line right now. But listen, uh, we will check that out with WellPoint. I know you do some great work there. Alex Williams, thank you so much for joining us today. It's nine fifty eight, and coming up after the news, it's Brian and David Wickard on the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show. They're going to explain the importance of some important economic reports. It's all ahead right here on WTMJ.